Hello, and welcome to the People Analytics Deconstructed Podcast. This show is for people working in human resources who want to enhance their understanding of how data analytics can be used to maximize business decisions. Each week, we will focus on a topic related to the area of people analytics. We will break down each topic to better understand what it actually is, how it relates to using data with respect to making decisions about people, why it's important, and what you really need to know. Because each person comes to each topic with different experiences and backgrounds, we'll also suggest specific, actionable steps to help you most effectively get the most out of our discussion. I'm Jennifer Miller, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ron Landis. We're the founders of Milan Chicago, a consulting company that provides organizations with support to maximize their use of people analytics data. Hi, and welcome to another episode of People Analytics Deconstructed. I'm your co-host, Jennifer Miller, along with me is Ron Landis. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you this morning, Jennifer? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm flying blind today. I have a little bit of coffee in front of me. so You're flying blind? What does that mean? I don't know. I think I, <laughs> I think I meant to say something else, but that's what came out, so we'll go with it. But I, I usually don't drink coffee while we're doing this, so we'll see. Maybe I'll talk too fast. We'll have to turn down the speed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So today's podcast, in this episode, what we're going to talk about is actually something that most folks might be doing right now, and that is trying to understand employee engagement in an organization. And so maybe you're tackling this right now. You're trying to understand how do I measure employee engagement? Maybe you do this at the end of the calendar year or maybe some other time. But it seems like after talking with a lot of folks, now is sort of the time that employee engagement is being assessed in large organizations or any size organizations. So this isn't exclusively related to employee engagement. You might also hear a slightly different term, employee experience. We've been hearing that term a lot lately and that the employee engagement survey is now transitioning more to employee experience, but engagement is still a component under that employee experience. And so if we just think about this in terms of engagement, trying to understand and assess employee engagement. Yeah, I mean, I think this came about because we've had people ask questions about, um, you know, evaluating the quality of the measures that they're using, the surveys that they're using, and kind of what are you looking for? And I think we started out thinking maybe we would do a podcast around a very common technique for doing that factor analysis to understand are the items on the survey on the measure kind of working the way that they're intended. But I think before we get to that place, it's worth taking a little bit of time to think through Not just the measurement of engagement, we use that sort of as a foundation, but anytime we're creating a measure, just thinking through the actual building of that. And I know we have some podcasts on the topic of measurement, and this will be related to some of that. And we may cover some of the same ground in some cases, but I think thinking about it more pragmatically, like if I actually have to build this kind of measure or use this kind of measure, what what should I be thinking about and what should really drive the process? Yeah, so I would say that this is really squarely in the survey design, and we get a lot of requests around survey design. And so even if you're thinking, well, I'm not necessarily going to develop a measure to assess employee engagement, I'm just going to ask a vendor, what do they have? What are some of the -the off-the-shelf products that I can use to measure engagement? But I still think this is really critical and important to listen to, because even if you're using an off-the-shelf product, you still have to make decisions about what it is you're measuring how you're defining it, and exactly what you want to go after within your organization. And so 
regardless of whether you have to write the items yourself or if you're just using a vendor's off-the-shelf products, there are a lot of common ones out there, then I still think this is relevant for you. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think a lot of folks that you're, aren't necessarily building their own, but the stuff we're going to talk about today, in I would say 80 to 90% of the cases, still things you're going to want to think about in terms of evaluating what you are using and are you getting the information that you really hope to be getting? Because if you're not, then you're making decisions with incomplete or bad information. So we certainly want to avoid that. So I think it is worth taking a little bit of time talking through. We start with the question, like we want to measure, what is the engagement level of our employees, right? We want to understand Mm -hmm. that. We, We take that question. How do we actually translate that into something whereby we can actually get that information from folks? I think walking through that process, I think should prove pretty valuable, hopefully pretty valuable. So let's start with this construct of engagement, employee engagement. I think the first question that we have is, well, what is engagement? Yeah, I mean, I think the first time you're measuring anything, and it sounds silly to say it this way, but you have to know what it is you're trying to measure. And to use a a different example here, just to sort of slide into this, let's just say that I'm teaching a class in U.S. history in the 20th century. And over that class, there's a section of the class where I talk about Issues, topics, people, right, events related to World War I, World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. So four wars. And I'm giving a test on that information. Well, it's probably obvious that I want to measure student knowledge around those four ideas, right, each of those four wars. So when I create the measure, it's probably going to have items, questions related to each of those four wars, or it should. If it doesn't, then I'm not sure why I'm teaching that material and or building this assessment. But now imagine that I have, let's just say it's a multiple choice test. I have 40 questions, 10 questions for each war. And there's one person in the class who knows everything about World War I and World War II and gets every one of those questions correct. So 20 out of 20. Ned doesn't get any of the others right. So the total score on the test is 20 out of 40. There's another individual in the class who knows half the material from all four wars. So five, 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 and five on each of the four sections, they have a 20. Are those two scores, do they mean the same thing? Of course, they're both 20s. So those two students will get the same grade, will get the same score on the test. But do they represent the same level of that underlying thing I'm trying to measure? And the same thing could be true with engagement. Engagement is that broad topic that I'm interested in assessing. But we could think about people being engaged with lots of different aspects of a company, right? Engagement with management and or supervision, engagement with coworkers, engagement or satisfaction with things like pay or benefits, things like uh, along those lines. Satisfaction with the way we do work, right? Are we hybrid now? Do we engage face-to-face? And on and on and on. Well, if I create a survey around all of those things, Do I see each of those things as distinct and I want to maintain, I want to understand what somebody's engagement is with respect to managers? Or do I just want to collapse them all into one big thing? That is an enormous question to ask right at the beginning, and many people just blow right through it. They never think about it. And now you're in a situation where if you only have an overall score and you have two people that have that same overall score, you can't do anything but assume that they have the same level of engagement. And if you just think back very quickly to the example I just gave a few moments ago, those two students who got a score of 20 are not the same. 
that does not reflect the same level of understanding, the same thing could be true on an engagement survey. So we got to start at the very beginning, scoping this all out and saying, what do we care about? And then what are we going to do with the data once we have it? Do we want to keep it at this big level? We just want an engagement score. Or would it be helpful to know we have engagement with respect to some of these sort of sub areas or dimensions? So regardless, though, you still have to define what is it that you mean about engagement? And so the four areas or dimensions that you discuss is, you know, what's the satisfaction with leadership? So management or supervisors, interactions with coworkers, compensation, and then working conditions. So whether it's remote or hybrid. So we would say that if we're interested in engagement and looking at our definition of engagement, the way that we're conceptualizing it for a fictitious organization, we could come up with those four components that we're going to ask questions, we're going to write items around those four components. And this is something that we would measure to look at the broader concept of engagement. So this is just an example. Of course, you could define engagement in a number of other ways. You could have four components, like what we just gave. You might have five, up to 10, however many it is. You might just have one, too, right? It could be anywhere in between. But you first have to define what does that space look like? And are you going with one dimension? So just this broad general area of engagement? Or are you trying to really target these specific areas that you think are under engagement? Yeah, and and going back to that, I think a lot of that really comes down to, there's sort of two drivers in my head. One is, you said it this way, what do we care about? Mm -hmm. What is that thing we're calling engagement? And you can come at it kind of, I don't know, kind of touchy-feely, loosey-goosey, what is this thing called engagement? Or you can think of it very pragmatically, what are we going to do with this information once we have it in front of us, right? Do we just care about this overall, are people engaged, so to speak, or do we care about those more specific kinds of areas of satisfaction Mm -hmm. or potential engagement? Because the analog would be, so let's just take the two of us in our, in our, not our fictitious company. I was about to say (laughs) that, our company, company. (laughs) but let's just think about that for a moment. And let's say for each of those four dimensions, we have four questions that people are responding to. They're sort of agreeing or disagreeing, and they're just general satisfaction kinds of questions, one to five kinds of scales. So I give those items to you, those 16 items to you. And when I look at your scores, I see that you have really high scores on satisfaction with manager, satisfaction with coworkers, and satisfaction with working conditions. When I look at the scores, your responses to the items related to pay, benefits, things like that, they're actually pretty low, right? So I have now profile. You're three high and one low. And if I add up all those scores, I can get an overall engagement score for you. Then I look at mine, and I am high on everything except manager, right? So I'm high on coworker, pay and benefits and working conditions, but I'm relatively low on manager. If I collapse across all mine, you and I have the same score. So it's like the Mm -hmm. knowledge test I get, right? We have the same score, but we clearly don't have the same profile of engagement. And so how do I intend to use this? If it's just this overall score, well, then the overall score is the only thing we're going to look at. But what I would argue is the benefit of being more specific with these dimensions is now I can use that to potentially predict other kinds of outcomes. For example, if I know that people that are generally low in how they feel, they have negative feelings about their pay and benefits, 
that they're more likely to turn over, they're a greater flight risk, I can now use that if I've measured it that specifically, and I'm going to be much more concerned about you as the employee than me, right? And so that's where it's really critical to think about not just what do we want in sort of this abstract way, well, what is engagement and why do mm -hmm. we care and all, but what are we going to do with that information? And the, the one thing I would say, and I don't usually say things in, in a very sort of absolute sense, but I would say the one thing you always have to think about or that you would always be well advised to do is be as specific as possible at this step in the process. Get to the lowest level you can, the most specific level you can, because you can always add those scores together to get to a higher level. I can always add up to get to the engagement yeah, score. Yeah, you're not going back down. Can't break it down if the only thing <laughs> right. I've got is that overall score. Right, so, yeah. right. And I think that's a really good point, is trying to determine how are you actually going to use this information so a very common way that we're using it right now is to build flight risk models. Sometimes we also use this kind of information to predict uh, movement throughout an organization or to target high potential employees for leadership positions. So there's a number of ways that you can use these dimensions, these sub areas under engagement to really help inform and utilize these in other models. The other place that we see this is also with interventions. And so, for example, if you know that a majority of your employees are unsatisfied with compensation and with benefits, there's something that you can talk about. You have some decisions that you can make and that you can try and improve those compensation decisions or other kinds of things for an organization. And so there's really two areas where we see this broadly used, and there's others as well, but you know, especially with engagement, this is used for a number of predictive models and also for other things like interventions, trying to change something about the organization to improve it. And that's something that you can track in the future engagement survey. Yeah, I mean, the, the only time you really don't gain, I don't know what the right word I want to use here is benefit from measuring more specifically having these dimensions is when everything sucks. If everybody hates everything, you don't the want to know. <laughs> the dimensions don't matter. And there's right. probably a lot bigger issues than any one dimension. Or if everything's great, right? You're mm -hmm. now losing that. But those are rarely true. Those extremes are usually not the case. And even when they are, being able to measure specifically does allow you to track in a more specific way over time to see, hey, this one part of our company, the way people feel about this one aspect of working at our company seems to be going down. What's going on with that? You would use the term intervention, right? The other way to look at it would be, do we need to start an intervention? Can we see that kind of happening before it becomes a problem? And being more specific is always going to be better than being more general. So again, can't overstate the importance, first of all, of just going through the exercise of saying, what is it that we want to measure? And being clear about that. But really sort of push yourself and force yourself to try to be more specific when you can be. Right. Always try to ask that question. Is there something below that? Is there something more specific than that that I could get to? Because if there is, then you really want to consider that. If you feel like, no, this is the lowest level that I can hit. Well, then that's where you're sort of going to stop things. But, you know, you might say this this dimensionality really is what's going to serve to drive the test, mm -hmm. the survey, the measure that you're going to create. So I was trying to think about what are some situations in which you would only see one dimension. And I think the most common area that we see this is when we do pulse surveys. And so a lot of times the pulse surveys might be given every quarter. You might only have three to five questions. 
So that's one aspect where, you know, you're not going to have five dimensions, one question per <laughs> dimension or area. It's just an overall, we just want to understand real quick, how are things going? And so you might see just one dimension there as opposed to multiple. So really what we're talking about here is an engagement survey that's given on an annual basis. Well, and again, I don't mean to disagree with you, and I'm not really disagreeing with you, but I just, I would say that's all true, but that's a little farther down the road, right? What yeah. we're saying is you need to think about what you want to measure, period, end of story, at the outset. The next question is, how are you going to measure that? Now we get into, is it a one-off? Is it a couple times a year? Is it through the use of maybe pulse surveys that are happening very frequently with random samples of employees, right? But if you can always trace back to that fundamental foundation of here is what I care about, all of those things now make sense, right? You can always yeah. articulate. So if leaders come to you and say, why are we doing this? You can pull that back and say, because it ties to that foundation. It may seem like we're doing just, we're focusing on this little thing, but that's right now. Over the course of the year, we're going to focus on this entire picture or, or whatever it may mm. be. And the other thing I'll say about it too is it as we start now to take that step and say, okay, we've got this foundation. What are the measures or measure that is going to look like that comes out of this? We're now going to start thinking about using that foundation as the centerpiece for everything else. So let's take our fictitious example of engagement. We have these four dimensions that we want to measure. Now what we're going to do is have a, what we call a test blueprint. Yeah. So what I would say is you always would start with, again, starting with the, your definitions and your specifications. You could now think in terms of just imagine you four dimensions. You have four columns on a piece of paper. Each one of those is headed by manager, coworker, coworker. pay, benefits, and working, working conditions. conditions. We now know that we have to have questions related to each of those, right? And so we might take a step back now. This is exactly where I think you were going. How are we going to do this? Well, let's just say we're going to do this in a, a once a year, maybe twice a year kind of thing. So we want to make sure that our measure, it's going to be given to all of our employees, and we want this measure to hit on all four of those dimensions. Mm -hmm. So now I would sit down and say, okay, let's start writing questions that fill in those blanks. Right. And so this is where I might say, well, I want it to be long enough that I'm getting more than one response for each one of these, mm -hmm. but not so long that people don't want to do it. That it takes yeah. too long. So what I might say is, can I write four questions for each of these four dimensions? So I have 16, a 16 item survey. That's not too bad. Right. I, mm -hmm. I might move it to 12. I might could go up to 20, but let's we'll just say four. So that means now on my piece of paper with these four headings, I know what I have to have underneath each of those is four questions that are directly related to each of those four areas. And the purpose of doing this and being that explicit is you wouldn't build your house or you wouldn't build a building without a blueprint. You don't build a test without a blueprint either. You have something, again, that's grounding you in a very concrete way to say, this is what it's supposed to look like. So now I could sit down and, and put that together. I could, all, I could sit down and just start writing questions. I could engage people that are experts in this area to help me write those questions. I could go to a bank of questions, maybe that a vendor has provided me. They give me a list of 50 questions and I could go in and say, I want question one and 12 and 35 and you know 43. And that's going to make up the first dimension for me. It could happen in a lot of different ways. But when that blueprint is filled out, 
it's now perfectly connected to that idea that you had, the way you defined engagement to begin with. And, you know, one thing that I just want to bring up is that I think the writing items is much more challenging than what people think. One thing that we'll get is if we ask organizations, how do you build your engagement survey? And a lot of times a vendor might come in with some items and they might select, you know, a couple of items and then they'll add their own. And so I'll ask, how do you know how to add your own? Who writes these? And it might be a leader, you know, up the chain. They might be interested in asking certain kinds of things or they, they might have seen something in a presentation or, you know, somewhere out there and they want to put that item on the engagement survey. And so, you know, that's nice. But, you know, one of the things to think about is that if you're taking items from various areas, so from various individuals, from vendor lists, you have to really think about how are these items constructed and to really consider and be careful about how they're stated and how individuals are going to experience those items and those statements or questions, whatever it is that you're asking while they're taking the survey. Because it's really obvious when items come from multiple sources and it doesn't have this one voice, this one flow. And so you have to be really thoughtful about the items. It's not just cutting and pasting from five different sources and putting them all together and thinking that's gonna solve all of your problems. And so we can't understate how important it is in carefully writing the items. And there's a couple of things that we've encountered with our business. And I think one of the things that sort of is at the top of my list is that you have to ensure that the words you're using are inclusive of everybody in the organization or your population. So if you think about your population, who you're actually giving the survey to, you have to ensure and think about how are individuals from various character, demographic characteristics, how are they going to interpret the items that you have on the survey? And so we want to be sure to be inclusive when we have these items. If you've listened to our measurement, any of the measurement podcasts, I think there was one we talked about, sort of this notion of measures are irrelevant or they can be contaminated or have bias. Really what we're talking about now is trying to ensure that the measure is relevant, that this engagement survey is relevant, that we're measuring exactly what we want to measure, right? There was a TV show I know it was before your time. It might have even been before my time. Um, I think it was Dragnet. Never heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, I figured. But I think what I'm about to say came from that TV show. But if not, it came from some police show. The person would always, doing an interview with a witness or someone, that would say, just the facts. Mm -hmm. That's really what we're talking about here. When you're writing a question, just the fact. You just want it to be what it's supposed to be. No more, no less. And so... Starting with this blueprint is a great way to ensure that you're not going to pull things in that you shouldn't because it's not going to fit and you're not going to miss things. But now you're layering in this next question, which is, okay, so you've got the content, so to speak. What's the framing of that content and how is it going to be received by people that are responding to it? I mean, I've taught this material for 30 years. And one of the things that I think is very easy to lose sight of is when you give people a survey, you're actually having a conversation with them. And it doesn't feel that way, but that is what's happening. You're talking to them, they're responding to Mm -hmm. you. It's just not in this more dynamic way, the way you and I talk to each other, or the way most people talk to each other. You say something, I say something, we go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And no, it's, it's kind of 
unidirectional in some ways. Like I say all my stuff to you. Here's all my questions. And then you say, here's all my responses. But it's still a conversation. And so when you think in those terms, it really helps to personalize that experience a little bit and ensure in, you know, it's hard to write a single question that you have confidence everybody's going to interpret it exactly the same way. That's not very easy to do. Yeah. Right. And probably not very likely. But if you don't take this step to really think through, how am I saying this? How is it going to land? How is it going to be received? Is there a better way to say it? You're going to put yourself in a difficult spot. So, yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason for doing the blueprint is to ensure we have a measure that's maximally relevant. And what you're now talking about is to layer in not just that it's relevant, but that it is going to hit people in the same way. Okay, Ron, you just brought up this idea of the test blueprint and what we have to do in order to continue developing the survey. Unfortunately, we're just about out of time with this podcast episode. And so we're going to have to finish this conversation for the next episode. So if you're interested in hearing the continuation of this conversation, please look for the next episode next Friday morning. It will be posted and you can download it and listen to the rest of our conversation about developing surveys. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen today. And as always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, feel free to email us at info at Milan Chicago. That's M-I-L-L-A-N Chicago.com. We're happy to engage in the conversation and also take any requests for future episodes. With that, we look forward to you listening to our next episode. Thanks for joining us this week on People Analytics Deconstructed. Check out the show notes where you can get more information about the show, resources we mention, or learn more about us. You can also visit our website, www.melanchicago. That's M-I-L-L-A-N Chicago.com, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. If you like what you heard in this episode, please recommend us to your colleagues and friends. We would love to have our People Analytics family grow. If you want to talk more about how you can get the most out of your data related to people, contact us directly by sending an email to info at We would also love to hear about topics that are of most importance to you and that you would like for us to address in future episodes. Be sure to join us again next week. And as always, wishing you the best success in having your data help you make the best possible decisions.